Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible, signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. And welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. We appreciate you joining us live here on Wednesday, or if you're listening to us even afterwards, we appreciate you tuning into. It is the first week. NFL football is back. Not football's old, but NFL football is officially back. We've gone through week one. We've got a whole lot to talk about today. It is DJ, joined as always by my co-host Kelsey. And Kelsey, week one is in the books. We have some overreactions. We have some underreactions. We have some shoulder shrugs. We got a lot of that. College football, we got some overreactions, some underreactions, and some glaring uh-ohs, and a few other things we got to touch on as well, too. It's a, it was a busy week in sports, more than we, more than we expected, even. Yeah, a few less shoulder shrugs for the college football weekend and a, little, a few more uh-ohs hmm. uh, from week two of college football. But week one of the NFL, obviously, you know, overreaction Monday. Uh, Tuesday, well, I guess we can call it overreaction Tuesday hmm. comes around and then everybody overreacts, panics on the waiver wires for your fantasy teams. And then on Wednesday, we get to reap all the benefits for all those people panicking. Hmm. That was me today. I got to reap all the benefits from everybody panicking over somebody's not great week because there's a questionable moment because they wanted to get one of their new superstars involved. I got to reap the benefits and pick up some nice players this week. So um, very good for me. Sucks for them because they overreacted. Uh, they're going to be mad when I'm in the playoffs and they're not. But no, it's, gonna, it's it was a fun first week back for the NFL, a fun week two for the college football. Um, and we're also getting down to the nitty-gritty of the uh, the MLB playoffs here as we're getting into that, that stretch where it's either make or break. I mean, one series can absolutely take you out of it or put you back in the playoffs. And there's a couple teams that will have to deal with just that is as of the time of this recording, the only team that has clinched is the Dodgers right now as well, too. So there's only one clinch with a little bit of moving parts everywhere else. But we're going to get to that a little bit later. We're going to start off with the tip off. The tip off, of course, brought to you by our good friends over at Dr. Squatch, one of the best soap brands out there. Go and click the link in our bio. Check in there today. Smell like a man. Feel like a champion. Get all the wonderful soap scents and smells without the harsh chemicals on your skin. And you know what? We're going to start. On a bit of a questionable thing is how I'm going to word it as well, too. Not questionable about, like, what happened. It's more a question of why did it happen? How did it happen? What in the world? We're, we're going to talk about Brett Favre right now. If anyone hasn't heard, he has been involved in what is ca- called, and I quote, a Mississippi Mississippi welfare scandal 
where it looks like he was previously known for pushing millions in welfare money to pay for a volleyball volleyball facility at his daughter's school. That is the that is what the report now is. There's alma mater as well. Exactly. And they've shown some text between him saying like, hey, there's no way the media will know what this is for that I've got it. No, no, you'll be just fine. And sure enough, here we are as well, too. So I'm going to go ahead and start with my first reaction. I'm going to toss it to you as well, too. My first reaction is, honestly, VCR lower third, that summarizes it pretty perfectly. Brett Favre is the worst texter of all time. Every time he texts something, something bad happens, it feels like as well, too. Whether it's this or going back to his days with the Jets and everything in between. His texting needs to be revoked. He needs to be on a simple 2007 Walmart check, Walmart phone that only allows you to make calls. Because anytime you text, something bad seems to happen right now. But in all seriousness, this might be one of the more underratedly egregious things when you really look at it as well, too. Not only did you take... you Brett Favre made $130 plus million in salary. His Wrangler commercials alone make who knows how much, honestly. Plus all of his commercials and just his being Brett Favre. It's almost like a Kardashian at this point. You get paid just for the namesake. It might as well be. And you took five million dollars in welfare from the those are that usually goes to more of the poorest people that you will find in that state as well too. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Mississippi is in the bottom five of poorest states in the country uh, too. Bottom, it is the worst. It is, it the, is worst the worst. State. That makes it even worse. You were stealing from the poorest of the poor to build a volleyball stadium at your alma mater. When a you've made more than enough to do it. B, why you did it to look philanthropic? However you want to word that word. Philanthropic. Yeah. philanthropic whatever you want to word it i don't make i don't have five million dollar words uh, my point is that is how egregious it looks we were literally stealing from the poorest of the poor people for a volleyball stadium i imagine if like a randy moss or a to were guys that they always talked about their character quote unquote did something like this they would immediately get kicked out of the hall of fame whereas with this with brett Favre, you almost got to wonder at this point how long does this stick does he even do like does he even face a pre- i don't want to say jail time but jail time anything like that like is there gonna be a repercussion besides like Darn you, scold and flick on the wrist at this point. So I'm done with my rant. I'll let you go take over because I can tell you got some things to say too. But this is just, this is heinous to me and more than more and should be, should be categorized as such. Yeah. So I'm just going to go off of the, the, what I have in front of me from NBC News. Um, basically, newly released text messages. These text messages were brought into the case by the, uh, hang on, let me find her name real fast. Uh, her last name is New and it's actually her. People that brought this in to those court filings, um, and it's between uh, it's it's just silly. Okay, so first of all, Mississippi, to your point about being the poorest state in the country, over almost two hundred thousand children living live currently below the poverty line in the state of Mississippi. All right, that's first and foremost. Secondly, this NBC News reported that the FBI has questioned Favre in the matter, but there's no indication Favre is the target of their criminal investigation because there's not sure how much is actually known. Now this was updated as of three hours ago. So this is a pretty up-to-date one. Um, these text messages were first reported by Mississippi, Mississippi today came to light through the court filings in the civil case, but this is part of the, the largest public spending scandal in, in the state of Mississippi's history. The state auditor uncovered $77 million in misspent welfare funds in February of 2020. So there's actually 38 defendants in on this case, not just Brett Favre, but he is just the biggest profile of all of yeah. them. Um, so it's worth mentioning that like he is not the only one that's that's involved in this, but he is still uh, involved. And so the uh, filings are against this one particular, Brett Favre, the text messages are with Brett Favre, John Davis, who is the head of Mississippi's DHS, and Nancy New, whose charity 
was actually the one getting millions of dollars in grants from the state agency. Um, so <laughs> there's this, this a whole lot to this, but it was for a volleyball facility that is at the University of Southern Mississippi, um, which again, Southern Mississippi doesn't need any help in affording those. They have plenty of alma mater that could easily afford that by themselves. Brett Favre, you mentioned his regular dollar commercial, regular commercials. Um, comes out, Brett Favre paid, uh, what, or that new would pay Brett Favre 1.1 million in state funds directly, and he would do a few radio ads for advertising. So he's already paid back the 1.1 million, but he hasn't paid back interest. So there's that aspect to this as well. But I mean, look, okay, legal proceedings aside, you're exactly right. If this were anybody else with a little more questionable history past, like Chris Carter, even Randy Moss, you mentioned um, some of these, let's say T.O., I'll say T.O. If T. This is T.O. And he did this in Alex City, Alabama. Whew. Um, yeah, kicked out of the Hall of Fame in, in, in no time would be an understatement. Um, but it's Brett Favre, right? You know, he's he's the Wrangler gentleman. He's the the Southern guy who couldn't do no wrong, even though he's done so much wrong. Plenty of wrong, yeah. He's the he's having a good old time out there. He's like a grown kid playing the sport we all love in his jeans and whatnot. You know, he just playing a park. Well, he does plenty of other things. That I don't want to be around him while he's doing it. Don't tell that to the uh, the assistant, you know, uh, over back in back in New York or or anybody in in, in Minnesota or anything that he left behind because that's Lord will tell you. Don't tell don't tell it to Aaron Rodgers either. Aaron Rodgers will tell you stories. Um, or the Packers in general too. Like I'm not coming back. I'm coming. Like even though that's a very small thing on the list too, it adds it piles up at this point. Like you got a nice little mountain. It'll take four hours to unload through this. Yeah. It, it's. It's weird. I mean, honestly, I, I can't, I don't know. I honestly don't know how to describe how I feel about this. This is just really weird. And I, I hate it for the state of Mississippi in a lot of ways, because this is just another spot on a record that Mississippi doesn't need to deal with. Like Mississippi's already had enough issues as a state dealing with their welfare system, dealing with being able to pour, uh, pay anybody, anything. Um, you know, you've had enough governmental issues over the last little bit. Like this is just, one more thing, and of course, it's to Mississippi's quote-unquote hero in Brett Favre, um, and that's just like goes to show you you can't trust your hero set for anything, uh, unless it's to throw me a pair of Wranglers, in which case maybe he throws them and hits me in the face. I don't know. I don't know the way he likes to throw it. He might actually cause you a little bit of whiplash as well, too. But yeah. especially bones into a ball, he might actually crack a jawbone or something. But it's I don't know. This is all just it is all very weird because like because of the text messages, because of who he's involved with in the text messages. It's like Nancy New has already pleaded guilty along with her son. So, like, they're just trying to bring everybody down at this point in time with them. And, and these text messages with Brett Favre kind of prove that, that they're, bringing, like they're trying to bring him down. Now, again, he's already paid the money back, so I don't know how that plays into all of this. But, yeah, this is just kind of a disgrace on top of a disgrace all around. Like, put the money aside, put the legal things aside. This is just, what are you doing, dude? Your name is Brett freaking Favre. You could literally write a. You could just walk into any place in Mississippi, and they will write the check for you. Like you don't have to do anything. You just be like, "Hey, my name is Brett Favre. I'd like to advertise your place." Done. How much do you want? Hundred thousand dollars. Here you go, Brett. My firstborn Done. child. It's yours. Yeah. Like like. Uh, can I get a Can I get an arm hair? Maybe I can grow another version of you, Brett Favre. Mm. I'll give you three hundred thousand dollars for the arm hair alone. Like that's what the state of Mississippi would do for Brett Favre if he just offered advertisement for him. And, like, this is just 
it's a disgrace in, in a lot of lot of things. And and yeah, it's for it's for a volleyball court of all things. So it's a gymnasium. You already have a freaking gymnasium in the at USM that you already play volleyball on. You don't need a brand new one. You just got a brand new basketball court. Just double up on that. That's what every other freaking uh, school does in the world. I mean, very few actually have dedicated volleyball courts. And if they do, usually it's to pull off the basketball court and put on a volleyball court on the same set because it's such a nice arena usually. Like Rupp Arena. Kentucky plays volleyball in Rupp Arena. Kentucky. They got money. <laughs> I don't need to go any further than just talk about Kentucky and they play volleyball in Rupp Arena. Like, yeah, and this is one of the comments we got. You know, it's just horrible for a volleyball court. You could have got that done just any other way. Exactly. I mean, it's it's, it's absolutely hor- horrible to think that you're taking this from people who actually needed it. I mean. In a state where they don't even years. have drinking water right now. Like, they are having yeah, drinking I mean, water issues on a large scale. Like, my goodness. I, and yeah, this, I know this happened in 2020, but it's still, like, come on, guys. Like this has been too. It's, mm, yeah. There's. I have lots of actual choice words I want to say, but I'm trying to play the benefit of the doubt here that maybe he didn't know and he's already paid back the money uh, for the advertising. Maybe it was a genuine. I don't believe it by any means. Where there's smoke, there's fire. Um, but you know what? The way. And even if you every, paid it back, you still took it. Nonetheless, like it. yeah, like. It's it's so hard to be like I want to I want to be like oh he paid it back no dude you still screwed up and you took you took money out of two hundred thousand kids kids' mouths you took school lunches out of all these children's mouths for a freaking volleyball court that they already have a a volleyball court that is within twenty built within the last twenty years these kids have no food and you're taking that opportunity away from them to have food. It's a it's a very it's another dark day and a long history of underratedly dark days that nobody really likes to talk about as well too and hopefully this gets figured out soon and hopefully somehow some way financially it's able, that money's able to go back into the state basically but I don't know how I don't hopefully it's not too I don't late even know if I trust the state of Mississippi anymore no, your head saying, of the like, DHS was doing somebody this, else like, ahead of that just takes over and is like all right this literally they will sit they can sit on this I I will volunteer we, sit on the sidewalk and just hand the money to you hand the money to you just give me a Brinks truck and we'll go from there. Look, can I can I uh, can I can I go ahead and recommend we we pull out um, Michael Orr and the Manning family, and just let them sit out there in Mississippi, hand out all the money they need to hand out because look, the Manning family, whether anybody wants to admit it or not, outside of Peyton, they are Mississippi's love. They are the true Mississippi chill like Wonder Kids. Um, so you know what, just let them be the ones that go and go hand hand it out. Like I, I think that's like, I don't know, man. This is just. Uh, Patrick Wills can go be the bodyguard too. That's I mean, yeah, Mississippi still remembers. Mississippi has its own issues. Like, (laughs) like they have their own problems. They've they they, like growing up in Alabama. You always like everybody wants to to take a crap on Alabama. Well, don't worry, Alabama had Mississippi to take a crap on. And now it's at the point where you almost feel bad for like making fun of them because it's just that state has that state just can't get out of its own way for progress. It's, it's, It's embarrassing. It's very disappointing, and then, of course, crosses over into the sports world on top of it, which is a disappointing light on the sports world as well. But just because we have this one dark spot doesn't mean there wasn't a whole lot of light and interesting spots that took over in this past weekend as well, too. And that's going to transition us into Kelsey's second favorite part of every single show. That is our main event. The main event, of course, brought to you by our friends over at In The Clutch Apparel. Click the link in our bio. Use code HILOSPORTS. Get yourself 15% off on some high-quality sporting apparel that you won't find necessarily anywhere else today as well, too. Some high-quality choices in there, and it's it's time. We're going we're gonna to turn things to a brighter page. We're turning the page. We're looking at a bright spot, and 
my goodness, what a first week of the NFL and a, a second week of college football as well, too. It was a very, very active week. We're going to talk about a few different games here, some things that stuck out to us, some things that followed up. So, Kelsey, we're going to let you go first. We'll go back and forth. Go and pick a game, pick a situation, pick something that happens last week, and we'll go and talk about it. Yeah. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. I want to start with the college football weekend. Uh, mostly, I want to talk about this Texas A&M and Appalachian State game. And oh my God, Appalachian State, ladies and gentlemen, we have ourselves a possible Cinderella coming through in this season. Now a Sun Belt Conference member played two really good games so far, and they're one and one. Uh, beat Texas A&M. Beat beat Texas A&M. At I, I, beat Texas A&M in. The in Kyle Field, home of the twelfth man. They beat a top ten rated Texas A&M. I, I can't get over this fact. They held them under four. They held them up to fourteen points. Appalachian State putting up seventeen, led by Chase Bryce, who is the former. Everybody wants to talk about it. Former Clemson guy, um, left because of, well, he was just never going to play there because of everybody in front mm-hmm. of him. Kelly Bryant at the time was the guy ahead of him. Um, but look, this Appalachian State team is is played fantastic so far this year. Yeah, they're one and one, but this just adds to what App State has done in the last our lifetime since the early since the early two thousands of just upsetting big teams. You know, it's there's they go on record of like they've only beat five top twenty five or five top five teams ever in their history, right? One of them just happens to be Michigan. The other just happens to be Texas A and or sorry, top ten team in the nation. The other just happens to be you know. Texas A&M now. It's like, well, here's a feather for your cap, sirs. Like, this is absolutely fantastic to watch. Everything about this game was awesome. I mean, it was it's, it's what college football is about. It's it's why I want to see expanded playoffs. It's why I want to see the – why I love the NIL deal so much is because you guys, you'll get these three, four-star kids that will go to an Appalachian State that will get supported by fans of Appalachian State to stay there and they'll play better than a five-star recruit who's at Alabama just because Alabama. You know, like passion is passion and drive is what drives a lot of these college football programs. It's not always just about talent, and we saw that on its full on full display in that game in App State versus A and M. Like, there's no reason A and M has the number one recruiting class, number one earners in the NIL this year going into the season one of the quote-unquote best quarterback coaches in the world, and I'll keep saying this, Jimbo Fisher is a garbage quarterback whisperer. Stop telling me he is. He is not. He is trash. This just proves it continuously. Kellen Mond getting cut proves it continuously. Like, this is – anyways, Texas A&M losing 
to App State. I'm, I'm like, I'm really giddy about this one. This one was absolutely fantastic to see on the scoreboard. And, you know, some people might not even seen it because they were too busy watching that Texas and, and Bama game. But uh, this one was, uh, yeah, probably my favorite of the weekend for sure. Real mine in a little bit as well, too, on that one. I've got, I, have a, I have a little bit less passion about it because I didn't think A&M was that good. I thought they were overrated. Yeah. I thought they were a top 25 team, which means it's awesome that Appalachian State beat a top 25 team. The fact that A&M was number six because of the recruiting class, that probably isn't necessarily even going to see a lot of time this year. We're not going to see them as that top recruiting class this year. I was like, eh, it was only a matter of time. I feel like they're still going to lose another two games this year, too. I think A&M's a top 25 team. That doesn't take away from the fact that Appalachian State pulling it off yet again in our lifetime is absolutely incredible. That is to take nothing away from them. I'm just excited that A&M, it feels like bringing back down the earth a little bit. I feel like they got pushed a little bit too far ahead because – well, everybody wants them to be good, I guess. I don't know the reasoning, but it is a fantastic upset. Also, what's crazy is you paid them $1.5 million so that they would play you, and then they beat you in your own field by, as well, too. So you paid them $1.5 million to pull off or what might be the biggest upset of the season on you, which just makes yeah. it that much sweeter. And on top of that, just going to continue the upset trend. Notre Dame getting upset this year as well, too. They paid, I believe, it was at $1.2 million to their opponent who came in and smacked them up as well, too. So little school is getting a big payday to go up put some big upsets and i feel for marcus freeman in that though as well too i think he's gonna be a really good coach but he's 0-3 so far to start even going back to last year as well too so that's kind of a rough start from as well too the with the way kelly went out and just the turnover of talent that sort of thing he's gonna he's gonna take some time so notre dame fans i'm sorry you were overrated to start this year uh defensively you're really good but offensively you're inept and defensively you still do lack you're well coached in a good spot. You just kind of lack those dynamic playmakers. You don't have the Kyle Hamiltons, the Harrison Smiths, guys like that, Manti Teo when he was there, Jalen Smith, guys you've had in the last 10, 15 years in those areas is on defense and make plays. So Notre Dame, you'll be fine. It's just, it's going to suck this year. I'm sorry. It, it's probably going to mm-hmm. suck this year. You can win out and it still sucks this year. So just, it's already over. But really recapping our FBS recap as well, too. You mentioned it. Texas and Alabama. Who saw this one coming besides, well, kind of me last week when we were talking about it on the show leading into it. But I didn't see it going like this either. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you saw it 20 to 19 on this one. Uh, that was a little I didn't wild. see the starting quarterback going down and still, and then the backup being on one leg and still almost pulling it off on top of it. Yeah, that was, look, Houston Cord, uh, bravo to you. Or sorry, Houston Card. Sorry, my apologies. Hmm. Uh, fantastic, fantastic job coming in in, in relief of uh, Quinn Ewers. And Quinn Ewers, first of all, while he was in the game, showed why he was the number one recruit two years ago. Why he was that dude. Why he was so highly sought of when he transferred from Ohio State as well. This is why he transferred back to Texas. He wanted to bring Texas back to being back, if you will. Um, I hate saying that phrase because it just makes me cringe. It's almost like saying the RT words for Alabama. They all make me cringe. Hmm. But you saw that from Cooney years there. Houston Card came in and you were just like, oh, okay, well... Dang. All right. And then Bijan Robinson doesn't really get to play the whole game because, well, coming back from being behind, but also he got dinged up a little bit here in, in the game. And so you didn't see a full Bijan Robinson either. And that team kind of just rallied up and, and, and kind of just, you know what? Fine. If we can't beat him offensively, we're going to try to shut him down defensively. And they did a fantastic job through three quarters and 10 minutes of that game of shutting down Alabama's offense. I'd say two and a half, two quarters and 10 minutes of that game uh, from when they, when Queen Ewers went down to when they finally gave like they finally, Alabama finally broke through in the, in the fourth quarter. But it took, it took a very special effort from Bryce Young with a minute and 30 to go 
to really just like pull this one out because I mean the, get, the kids are raising raining Heisman for a reason, but man, it took something special and it took a bell out. Or like I still go back. There was a play in the third quarter where it should have been a, it should have been a safety or it should have been intentional grounding in the end zone. Neither got called. Uh, they ended up calling it a, a, a punt, uh, a fourth down, and then it was a punt, and then it just led to a punt from Texas and uh, a poor situation there. So uh, it should have been the extra two points. That two-point goes on the board for Texas. This is a much different game in that situation. You have the momentum rolling as well. Then you have the safety punt afterwards. Who knows what would have happened with that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this, uh, you know, maybe a questionable play call here and there, maybe a questionable call by the refs here and there. Overall, not a bad game, but – you know, one or two decisions go a different way, and Alabama could have been well on the way to their first loss. And uh, yeah, um, gotta say this was not not the week I expected Alabama to be a be a, a possible upset nominee. Not at all, as well too. And I think we joked that we talked about Jimbo Fisher, not the quarterback whisper. Steve Sarkeesian, he has a case as being a quarterback, not a guru necessarily, but by college football standards, he might be a quarterback guru as well too. And if yeah. Quinn Ewers doesn't go down, I think they win that game honestly. And I think you see why Arch Manning. Maybe there's a reason. He's like, you know what? Uh, there's something there. And I'm not saying Texas is back either. I'm not pulling that. But Yeah, I'm not saying I'm not going there yet. But I'm saying if they if they went out and win the Big 12, like they can win, if, which is, that's a lot. That's a big task. You've got a lot of top 10, top 15 caliber teams to go through still with Baylor, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, et cetera. Let's hypothetically say they went out. I think they're in the playoff. I don't think there's any. When your one loss is by one point to Alabama with a backup hobbled quarterback, it's going to be hard to keep them out, honestly. Hell, they could be a two-loss team and still win the Big 12, assuming there's not like somebody else that surprises us outside of Ohio State, Georgia, and Alabama. Assuming there's not like a different fourth team that like USC doesn't go undefeated and impress, as long as there's nothing like that, you know what I mean? But Which, they look pretty yeah. good, but they haven't... We'll, we'll wait on them. We're going to hold reservations on that one. There's a We'll hold some reservations on them, but I, I'm looking forward to seeing what, what Texas does throughout the rest of the season, which I haven't said that in a very long time. It kind of feels weird to say, I'm not going to lie. It feels really weird to say. It does. It, it does does feel kind of kind of odd. Um, but other than that, I mean, the, the rest of the weekend for the FBS kind of went as expected. No real crazy upsets. Um, uh, the biggest one, obviously, Kentucky beating Florida. Uh, outside of that, as far as a top 25 matchup, a great game. But I think we all kind of expected Florida was a little bit overrated. Um, maybe not that overrated, but I definitely – I personally felt like Kentucky handling Florida was a, a strong possibility. And I've said so in every pick em. So <laughs> I got that one right. Uh, little, Maybe a little surprising for those that have never watched Will Levis and only know him for sticking mayo in his coffee. But uh, that mayo gives him a little extra punch come game day. So that's, that's all I'm going to say about that, um, evidently. But, yeah, it's, uh, you know, this week at FBS was very interesting. But we have some more games for FBS coming up in week three. Uh, this is going to be very interesting. Penn State, Auburn, kind of the number one looking on the docket so far as far as what's going to be a competitive game. So very interesting to watch that one coming up. But, yeah, that kind of does it for the FBS, like, you know, for, for week two of, of college football recap. There wasn't really any any other big games that really stood out. Not at all as well, too. It feels like, as you mentioned, Florida, a little overrated. It's Anthony Richardson, save us, or we die, basically. It's what can you do to save us on a week-by-week basis as well, too. And eventually, it's not it's really difficult to do that every week, unless you want to stick Kyle Pitts back there or something like that as well, too. If he wants to come back to college, he's – He's young enough; he can get away with it. But maybe moving on now, back out there. Yeah, just on, just bring back the 2008 Gators and see what kind of trouble we can get into with that one. But moving on now to the NFL. Now we're move on to the first week of the NFL season. It obviously started with the Thursday night game: the Bills taking on the Rams. 
my goodness, did the Bills, uh, they look like that Super Bowl contender that everybody thought they'd be. We talked a lot about this on our fourth yeah. and four show. Go ahead and check that out as well, too, if you haven't got a chance to. We we went in depth about our friends Zach and Jim as well, too. Check that out every every week as well, too, leading into your NFL coverage. We got you covered there. And you can see some of our blasphemous picks here and there as well, too, and some high-quality betting advice. But the first game I want to take a look at from looking at Sunday, I'm going to go to Chicago. And the monsoon mess that they played in there as well, too, where the water was literally looked like a bowl of jello is how the water was stacked up on the on the field at one yeah. point. Justin Fields, Trey Lance, two young, most what most people think very talented ascending quarterbacks, one in a terrible situation, one in a great situation, but we have no idea what to expect. And I have nothing. My, my reaction to it is nothing on Trey Lance. I'm, I take nothing from that game because you can't judge a quarterback's first start in two years in that weather. I can't really... And you're missing George Kittle, you lose your running back. Nothing against Trey Lance, not going to hold it against him. What I'm going to do, though, is use those same conditions to prop up what Justin Fields pulled off in that second half. Throwing two long touchdowns, extending the plays nonstop with Bosa and Armstead, all those guys relentlessly in his face with what we agree is a bad offensive line. It is wet tissue paper in a monsoon at this point. And Justin Fields just pulled off a lot of heroics, keeping the offense moving and the defense from the Bears as well, too. There's a lot of talk they could be the worst roster in the league and get Justin Fields out of there, all of that, which. I kind of lead a lot of that talk because I don't want Justin Fields to die again. But their coaching staff with those second half adjustments was fantastic, what they did in the second half. The defense eliminated the 49ers, basically. Their offense was virtually eliminated minus a few plays here or there. Getting Justin Fields with his heroics, making some plays, just calling some on-schedule things, make it a little bit easier, rolling him out, giving him some spots. So kudos to the Bears' adjustments at halftime. And Justin Fields just being an absolute playmaker, honestly, remind me a lot of Donovan McNabb, how he used to play back in the day, too, with – not a whole lot of weapons, just do whatever you can to make a play for somebody. Think of Don McNabb without Andy Reid, basically, or even Brian Westbrook. Yeah. That's pretty much what he reminded me of there as well, too. So that was quite a fun game between two young quarterbacks in the absolute worst weather ever. It's not a trajectory either way moving forward for either one of them, but it was great to see the Bears coach some life in them, which we haven't seen in the last couple of years, and see Justin Fields able to play with a little bit of life. After last year, it seemed like it was Matt Nagy's goal to get him destroyed as fast as possible. That's what it felt like with some of those coaching decisions especially that Browns game, but I digress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, let's, let's, let's just be honest. This was a much better uh, showing than that Browns game. Um, but, yeah, this I, – I honestly don't know what to take from this game because I, I do also want to be like, but, Trey, you also started in a monsoon game last year and did pretty okay. Or was that Jimmy that was Jimmy, Jimmy started? That was Jimmy, yeah. That okay, because that was – no, that was a game he missed because of injury after his th- run of three starts. So – I digress. Anyways, so Trey Lance still, you're supposed to be more mobile. You were drafted ahead of this guy. You're supposed to be better than this guy. Which everybody in this in this thing disagreed with that thoroughly. Everybody I mean. in this conversation disagreed with that, but you're supposed to be better than this guy. And he just went and just said, you know what? Hey, watch what I can do. I don't care if it's a monsoon. I don't care if I can penguin slide my way 30 fucking <laughs> yards after winning this game. I'm going to do it. I'm going to win. That's all it was. That was just Justin Fields saying, I'm going to win. That's all this Especially game was. Like, tra- I don't care that Trey Lance didn't have all his weapons. That, that's a BS excuse when you look at what's on the sideline for the Bears. Like, position by position, the Bears are at a deficit except for one, and that is the quarterback position. And that is because Justin Fields just doesn't care, and he just wants to win. Now, I'm just talking offensively-wise. Now, if you compare that offense to the defense, they lose every position battle except for the quarterback battle. That's it. I mean, that's the only one they'd win. And 
it just goes to show you what having a smart mobile quarterback who has experience can do for you. Like, yeah, Justin Fields has been running for his life since he walked into the NFL. Well, guess what? Now he gets to run for his life and be successful at it after having the experience of one year. This whole Jimmy G flip-flop last year thing with Trey Lance is going to be what's going to be what you're going to experience all season long with Trey Lance, I feel like. This just kind of goes to reinforce my Trey Lance still wasn't ready. You still should have gone with Jimmy G conversation. Um, I just, I, I just don't, I, I just don't think you can. T- if you if you give credit to Jim, to Justin Fields, you have to take credit away from Trey Lance in the same way because they do a lot of similar things physically. I give them the slight benefit because if they both sucked, I wouldn't have held it against either one of them. That was my thought. And it, with Trey Lance, you haven't started a game in how long now? Like you, you played one game in college, then you sat basically the full year. I, I mean, you got some spot duty last year here and there, but not a whole lot of preparation. And then you get your first game, and this is what you get into, like. I, well, he, I, expect no, he, I mean, he started. Struggle. He started last season. That's what I'm saying. It was spot duty, though. Like when he in those games he did play, that he was ran quarterback draws every single play. Like they did nothing to let him do anything, and it was against Seattle. Then he got hurt. Either way, my point is this is why in our predictions I said San Francisco is going to be competitive, but they're going to lose some games because Trey Lance has to. He needs some time to get out there and learn. I mean, very few quarterbacks just walk in and immediately like Andrew Luckett or Justin Herbert or something like that and just strap the team on their back and start rolling. Very few go to a Super Bowl like Joe Burrow and. Tom Brady and those guys out of the gate, especially on bad teams. But Trey Lance, he's gonna he's on a good team that's ready to win now. He gives them something Jimmy doesn't with some of those just those ridiculous plays he can make. The on schedule plays, they Shannon's gonna have to work that. They did sign Marlon Mack to replace Elijah Mitchell. I think that's gonna be a really, really good fit if they give him some burn. I think that's gonna so oh, Marlon Mack's being in underrated back. And I think he's gonna keep them on. I think he's gonna compliment him really well too. So also, I, quit running quarterback draws every play, Kyle Shan. Like they called so many quarterback draws in that game. Like you're gonna get Trey hurt at this point. But yeah, that, I, I will say this though, and this is something that just will forever bother me. While you gave really good points for why we expect Trey Lance to not do well, while why we expect Trey Lance to not do well, and that's because we're we're you know rational human beings who aren't like considering the fact like who are sitting here considering the fact that yeah, you just replaced a guy who got you to the NFC Championship game by being on time with a guy who has not had experience in two and a half years. Mm-hmm. And yet, here's the problem. Everybody in that Niners organization, every Niners fan, every NFL pundit, everybody who is a talking head on TV, all has the same exact story about these 49ers with Trey Lance. Nope, they didn't drop a step. They didn't lose anything by putting Trey Lance in there. They're going to be just as good as they were last year. I don't believe it and any rational being should not believe it, but yet here's where we are. And like, if that's the storyline they want to write for themselves, then if I, that's what I have to go off of. And if that's the storyline they want to write, then I'm going to be harsh about it. And I'm going to be like, you guys just threw this kid out here to suck for week one. You're going to throw him out here week two to suck. And you're going to keep sucking until you put Jimmy G in. And then you're going to piss off your first round pick because you told him it was his team and then you keep flip-flopping him because his performance wasn't good enough, but you put him in the position for his performance to be shitty. So this is the thing that's going to kill the 49ers this season that, I stay, like, that I've been preaching all offseason, is they're going to end up flip-flopping again, just like they did last year at one point in time before Trey Lance got hurt, and they're going to end up being detrimental to the, the growth of Trey Lance, but also to the, this ability for this team to get to the playoffs and to do anything successful. This team is built to win right now. You're absolutely right. They have all the pieces. They're all ready to be played. The problem is 
you wanted to reset the entire board by putting a brand new quarterback out there, but you refused to acknowledge the fact that you reset the board by putting a brand new quarterback out there. So, I'll also say too, Patrick Mahomes. I know I talked about those other guys. Patrick Mahomes ruined this for everybody too, where you could sit mm-hmm. one year with all this talent and come in and take the world by storm. That was an unfair comparison. If I'm, I don't expect Trey Lance to do that. What you want to see is each game a little bit of steady growth. That's what you kind of have to accept right now. If you expect him to jump right in and take over, that's an unfair expectation, as you said, too. If he does that, that's great. That is awesome. If he's yeah, able to but that's step unheard in, of. Everything, but that's unfair to stick that on the kid's shoulders when he was inexperienced coming out, and now it's sitting the year, but also being hurt during the year. Like it's, I think we're going to see the best Trey Lance possible that we'll see, but not this year. I think that this is a progression thing. Like Maybe next year, if everything's intact, look out for those 49ers. But this year, dangerous, but... Well, I just worry he's. I just worry he's going to get that stun that you know, almost that stunted growth because they're not going to stick with him. And this is this is the problem. You committed to him, and so now you re-signing Jimmy G just creates all this other issue. That I don't know, man. It's 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 kind of silly, but it's it, this is the for all the good benefit, the good things that the San Francisco organization did when they first got together, John Lynch and you know this entire staff. I feel like this offseason really set them backwards completely and i think we're going to start seeing that week in and week out because as, as as you said i think you know we'd love to see growth from week in and week out but you can't see growth in somebody when you're telling him he has to win now and he's trying to put that pressure on him himself and you're not going to see that the best trey lance every week you're going to see a pressurized trey lance and it never is good for anybody growing definitely have to see luckily for them the division did not start off on fire so maybe they won't be too far behind that's after fair. this one but that's that'll, that'll be our first game you know what, kelsey go and pick a game from this last week that you want to talk about what's one that stuck out to you <sighs> i mean i kind of want to go low-hanging fruit and go Bengals stillers but i'm gonna avoid that one <laughs> because that was just ugly that all around ugly um i'm gonna avoid the panthers browns as well because that was just i mean we all kind of expected that to be the case i'm really looking at this eagles lions game Yes, the Eagles won. Yes, should they have pulled blew it out. They should have blew them out. You're exactly right. They should have blown out the Lions. But look at the dog in the fight in the Lions right now. I guess I should say the lion in the fight right now because they, <laughs> they put on an absolute clinic on how not to get beaten down and stay down. Because uh, they should have easily lost it. Like, they should have just folded, gone home by halftime and just said, you know what, I'm done. But they just kept clawing their way. And again, this, this Lions team keeps proving that they're not far away from being competently good. Uh, and, and I say competently good because you can still be competently bad. And like the, the 49ers, they're competent, but they're bad. Hmm. The Lions right now, they're competent. Again, they're bad. Not great. But they're not far away from being good. They have the fight in there. They have the grit. They have the determination. And yes, if you've watched any of the hard knocks, I did just use their line of grit hmm. and determination. 100 percent um i believe in what they're, they're preaching here i i, I drank the kool-aid so uh, i do think the lions aren't far away but i think this game was pretty impressive considering we all have the eagles pretty highly rated so i think this is a game that that just kind of shows what the lions could be if they actually put their so like keep this up through all 17 weeks the thing i'll keep mine pretty quick too because this game there's a couple things that stuck out to me first one is i'm gonna start defensively that secondary, those corners, like what we expected. I know James Bradbury had the pick six, but you kind of let them rally back on you after you had a big lead. That's kind of where you want your secondary to kind of protect that. I know it's prevent. I know it's just a lot of don't give it up in a single play, but you still let them get way back into the game too much. With that kind of secondary, once it gets a little bit close, I had high expectations of them just saying, nope, putting the lock on, throwing away the keys. That's the end of this right now. So I'm 
not concerned about the defense because it's week one. We're not trying not to overreact here, but do have some question marks if like that secondary is not the defense as a whole might not be quite where we had him elevated to. It's obviously week one. They obviously were blowing him out early, so I'm not putting too much into that. Just something I'm keeping an eye out for. The other thing is you really couldn't throw the ball to Devontae Smith at all. Like I know you got AJ uh, Brown yeah, and you, want, you wanted to get him involved. I understand that, but it looked like they went out of their way to avoid Devon throwing Devontae Smith the ball. I didn't I could be wrong, maybe just the way the game plan was, maybe the way the Lions were playing defense, but just my one time of viewing through it as well, too. It almost felt like they just he was just out there doing cardio. It felt like Odell with the Browns in some weeks as well, too, just with even fewer. He had, what, one or two targets, if even that? It felt uh, more like... The, yeah, one target. It felt like, you know what, we're playing lines. We're just going to showcase our new toy, A.J. Brown, and show we made a great decision. And it worked. I mean, A.J. Brown had a heck of a game, but I think long-term success, they they can't they can't do that sort of thing, if that makes sense. It needs They need both of those guys to cook, because they're both one number one caliber receivers, in my opinion. And I think... yeah. Now that you've established A.J. Brown, this should be a, all right, Devontae Smith, get ready, because now you're going to start going against those number two and three corners, and good luck those number two and three corners. I could be biased because I'm really high on Devontae Smith, and I think this is his chance to shine if Jalen Hurts will look his way. And I think that's yeah. just the big question is if he will look his way. But those are the two things I kind of took out of that game too. And that right. offensive line for the Eagles, still mauling, still deadly. Yeah, and and I, I want to go to – I want to actually talk fantasy for just a second with this game, fantasy implications. Because you mentioned A.J. Brown and his huge game. I also want to mention DeAndre Swift and his huge game. 181 total all-purpose yards. All right. He absolutely fantastic. He has one touchdown on the ground. Just missed out on the second touchdown in the air. Um, I think he got knocked out of like the two or something like that. Uh, but the big part here is Jamal Williams, his backup. 11 rushes, 28 yards, two tuds, two touchdowns there. Um, so if you're looking at somebody fantasy-wise, DeAndre Swift has a lot of boom potential in yardage, but you might miss out on those touchdowns with Jamal Williams going forward. And here's the, and on the flip side of things, if you look at Philadelphia, I mean, name a guy on there running that ran the ball for Philadelphia and they scored a touchdown. Yes, Miles <laughs> Sanders, Jalen Hurts, Kenneth Gainwell, and Boston Scott all scored touchdowns for the for the Eagles. And like fantasy-wise, I don't know who to pick because I have two of the guys. For the, for, for the Eagles running back court that I'm just like, I'm not going to start either one of you because I don't know who's actually going to be the, the guy that gets the touches because you just don't know. Like, it seems like it's Miles Sanders, Jalen Hurts be the most likely, but then you get in the red zone and they're like, all right, we're going to throw Boston Scott out there for this series or we're going to throw Boston Scott out there for one, then Gainwell for the other. And you're just like, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know what's happening here. But so fantasy wise, like this game, fantastic if you're DeAndre Swift or AJ Brown owner. Um, but going forward, not going to be fantastic if you're a running back owner for DeAndre Swift or a Philadelphia Eagle running back at this point. Absolutely as well, too. And you know, speaking of fantasy, this next game I'm going to talk about has some fan interesting fantasy implications as well, too, because I'm going to go to the Giants and the Titans. And who saw that coming, right? I mean, I don't, not not pickups. I sure didn't see it. I did not think the Titans. First of all, I, I'm going to start. I have a list for this one, so we're going to go quick. Saquon Barkley, uh -oh. I, I hope he's back. I hope he stays healthy because that was an electric performance. Uh, 194 total yards, two point conversion, the touch, absolutely electric. Number two, Brian Dabble. Can we give him a little round of applause, too? Just for nothing else for the balls he showed, going for two like that as well, too. Number, number three, Nathaniel Hackett, see number two. That's what you do when <laughs> he did that with Daniel Jones as his quarterback, where you had a quarter million dollar, quarter billion dollar quarterback. And you let the clock drip down and kick a second longest field goal in history. Not going to get into that, but I'm pairing two games in the one. Number three, the Titans. Boy, that was kind of ugly. Not going to lie. That was really ugly. Derrick Henry, they basically said, you're not going to beat us. And they, you know what? They didn't. 
They, they, they are really missing the A.J. Browns, the Julios, the Corey Davises, those receivers they've let walk. And then the last one I'm just going to keep mine really quick as well, too, just along those same, that same path as well, too. Are the Giants for real? I don't know, but it was really good for them to kind of see a win and show some fight. They might. It look, I picked them to have the first pick in the draft this year. I did not think they had a lot of winnable games. You know what? They might have just played themselves. I think just even getting this win alone, I think that kind of proves like maybe they're not the worst team in the league after all because of the way they played and the way they showed it too, just the way they played in addition to getting that dub. So biggest thing is Saquon Barkley, those who drafted him, like I wanted to draft him, but he was gone by the time I got to him. You mate, you got it right this year. The people who took him top three the last couple of years, you were wrong, but those who got him at the back end of the first round, you got it right this year. Pause. Wait for the email the email notification that he's been placed on the, the IR list. Nope, never mind, you're good. So far, so far, no IR list for Saquon yet. What's this though? He has to his pants he had to go up a pant size because his quads grew bigger. Well, good luck, everybody else. Yeah, no. So <laughs> this game was man, this was this is crazy. Um I remember we were we were sitting here in the in, in the living room watching it and it's just like like we were, we were watching another game and just like hoping it would switch over to the Giants Titans <laughs> game so we could see what would happen. And, you know, finally get on NFL Plus. And so you can only listen to audio on NFL Plus live games because it's not a, not a premiere. And so we have that playing. And it's like, no. They didn't just – they – they no. Like, no way the Giants just went for two here. Like, there's, you got to be kidding me. So after watching the highlights, uh, first of all, Daniel Jones, 17 to 21 for the game. Uh, I, I got to give him credit where credit's due there. Four incompletions. One of those was a pick. Not really your fault on the pick, to be honest with you. Kind of bounced. But you know what? Wow. Um, Sterling Shepard, where have you been, my guy? Uh, welcome. More welcome touchdowns to, than their receivers did all of last year. Yeah, welcome <laughs> to playing football. Uh, <laughs> two, two receptions, 71 yards, and a touchdown. Um, yeah, Saquon, I mean, I, I don't uh, – this is the thing that scares me with Saquon year after year after year. This is why I never want to pick him in fantasies because he always has, like, fantastic week, fantastic week, fantastic week, injury. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I don't like that he starts out with 190-plus all-purpose yards. Because now I'm like, when's the injury coming? How soon, how soon are we going to expect this injury from Saquon? Because he's putting up absolute insane computer games numbers, and it's, it feels like it's only a matter of time. But then on the flip side, if I'm looking at if I'm looking at Tennessee, this feels like the Tennessee where Kenny Britt was their number one receiver. If anybody remembers Kenny Britt as their number one, this is what this is what it reminds me of. But it, except for your number one receiver is I don't know who his name. Uh, his name is Kyle Phillips. I don't know who this guy is. I don't know where he's from. I don't know what he's done in his career other than be a perennial backup. Like, Traylon Burks, three receptions, 55 yards. Where's this number one superstar you were talking about that I told you guys was not going to be a, a great player in the NFL? Where's that guy? Oh, wait, by the way, he's still a good number two run receiver, but he's not going to live up to that. He's the next Debo Samuel bullcrap everybody was spouting. Mm. Like, stop it. Stop it now. Uh, Bobby Trees, one catch, 13 yards. Jeff Swain, three catches, 19 yards. Cody Hollister, another tight end, one reception, 22 yards. Dontrell Hilliard, your running back, three receptions, 61 yards, two touchdowns. That's your most successful receiver, not named Kyle Phillips. Your running back. This feels like the old days. It just doesn't. I, this doesn't bode well for Tennessee going forward this season. Um, I'd like to re, re, go back and rehash my pick with Tennessee and maybe mm -hmm. pick them third in the division uh, with what I'm looking at right now. I will say I did pick up Kyle Phillips in fantasy because of the amount of targets he was getting as well, too. And I think that's going Insane. to continue because a lot of people liked him coming out of college and thought it was a really good pick. I didn't know as much about him. I'd heard a little bit, but I think it's a pretty good pick, too. So that'll do it for this game. Now, give us your last NFL game you want to talk about from this last weekend before we get into our Thursday night prediction. Yeah, so last one I want to talk about. Uh, man, I don't want to talk about it. 
Ah, who I can't. I want to talk about it. It's the Seahawks and the Broncos, baby. I loved everything about this game. Um, hmm. Nitty gritty, down down to the wire. Played it as as happily as I could have imagined for both my fantasy team wise with Javante, but also for my desire to see Russell Wilson lose. And it worked out perfectly. Uh, I could have asked for more. Um, the only thing I could have asked for was, was to see Noah Fant get himself in the end zone. That would have been really cool. Um, didn't didn't get that luxury. But you know what? I got to see Geno Smith pull off what Russ should have, been, should have been doing his entire career and scrambling up in the pocket, dumping it off to his tight end so his tight end can go scramble for 35 yards for a touchdown. That was fantastic to watch. Um, and the support Seattle fans had for Geno, a guy who's been much maligned by many people all across the United States saying he is trash, he is washed, he's this, he's that, and I'll still stand by the statement. He's a guy who has not really gotten a fair treatment. Let's not forget, he started as a Jet. No guy who starts for the Jets at any point in time in their career, other than Vinny Testaverde in the last 20 years, and Chad Pennington, can you say could ever had a fair shot out of a career? Mark and even Sanchez those guys probably. Mark Sanchez. I didn't say he made the most of it, shot. but it was a fair shot. He didn't deserve a fair shot. He, <laughs> he, he deserved as much as he, he, he was given. Like, Geno Smith actually deserved a fair chance coming out of college. He didn't deserve to be thrown into that crap pond of the Jets quarterback core. So, you know, you know, you take that away. Like, you take away the Jets years. The guy, I mean, you got to kind of wish wish well for the guy. So, um, I'm still a Drew Locke lover uh, as far as, like, I think he could be a fantastic quarterback. But if we see a lot more of that Geno Smith that played uh, on Monday night, I, I'm, I'm actually kind of excited about my picks for the Seahawks this year. Hmm. All right. I, interesting. Okay. The one thing, I, the things that stuck out to me were, I already kind of joked about the last one, but Nathaniel Hackett, what are you doing, my guy? Like, I know it's your first time as a head coach, but, like, you saw – they showed the thing. I saw it on Twitter. Peyton Manning during the Manning cast called 62 timeouts doing this before the Seahawks called their one at the end of that third down play. So between mm-hmm. that – in 30 seconds, Peyton Manning called 62 timeouts. It's like, if you want to run down the clock, that is fine. Call that timeout. Go out there with a play to go for it. That way, if you don't yeah. get it, there's less time. that You had three timeouts, so I – I get it if you want to do that, but you don't want to give him too much time. But to cut, waste all that time, then go kick that super long field goal, just what's the point of having Russell Wilson at that point? What's the point? If you're not going to give him a chance in that moment, let him have that moment back in Seattle to either get it and be the hero or to screw it up on his own terms. Putting in it, Brandon McManus has a big leg. We all respect that. We all know he can hit from 64, but you're asking him to do something that only Justin Tucker has done really. It'd be the as accomplished where no one's even that they'd be the second longest field goal ever. And I think it's eight of 69 or something like that all time in 63 plus yard field goals. Like the numbers you're asking for are kind of ridiculous on a fourth and five. When you just picked up like eight yards on a, when you threw it behind the line to Javante Williams, you have all those weapons. You gave Russ all that money. Give him a chance to go for it. You're supposed to be an offensive minded head coach. Cook something up. You don't need that much. You imagine if you get that first down and Brandon McManus gets to kick a 58 yard field goal. Well, you felt comfortable with 64. Imagine how comfortable you feel at 58. Like, it's just, that is, I'm not going to say, like, the worst coaching decision ever because we can go on and on about that, but just boneheaded, I guess. It's like, borderline. if he's he's not on a hot, I'm not going to say he's on a hot seat, but four quarters in his career, is, there's a little bit of steam coming off that seat already. That might be the fastest steam I've ever seen at this point. So that's one that stuck out to me. And two, the goal line situations. What are you, if you want to run the ball, that's fine, but shotgun runs from the, and sticking it to Melvin Gordon the first time you're scat back. And then Javante wins when your right guard gets absolutely obliterated into him. If you have Russell Wilson there, you don't want to throw it with him on the goal line, get under center and run it, run it right up the gut. 
that way your running back gets ahead of steam and can go forward. You want to roll Russell out. That's fine. Like a shotgun inside zone or a, and a shotgun halfback draw. And just, I think the Broncos are a little bit better than they're going to get credit for considering they just lost and only scored 16 points because they did move up and down the field pretty much at will otherwise. Problem is you after shot Jamal, After Jamal enough. Adams got injured, though. After Jamal Adams got injured. I mean, Jamal Adams, the ball bounces off his face. Throwing at him is just... No, that's fair. Him. That's fair. That's fair. That's, I'm that's saying the ball's... Russell Wilson had some rough moments. I mean, he th- had a couple that should have been picked like the Quandre days. Not saying they were perfect. I'm saying as far as their ability to still be explosive and on time, Jerry Judy had a 100-yard game. I, I thought he was going to struggle with Russell. I'm glad to see that. Kind of fluky how it happened. Not Jerry Judy's fault. Just it, My point is they showed the ability to randomly be explosive. So that is a good sign as well. And I think they'll be okay. The problem is their division. The Chargers looked absolutely incredible. The Raiders played the Chargers, unfortunately, for them. So we'd have no idea what to expect, really. And they had a weird game plan of force it to Devonta Adams every play. And then the Chiefs look like the best team in football, not named the Bills. And they, you know what? They might even have looked better than the Bills. So like that's the downside for the Bronx. You got to deal with that. And defensively, yeah. a little shaky. They had their moments. I mean, you held the team to 17 points. You can't really complain. But it felt like when the going was serious, like, they clamped down in the second and third quarter for the most part, but there's some moments there. It's like, Oh, eh. and then Justin Simmons has now hurt your all, all pro caliber safety. So it's Broncos country. I'm not saying you're no longer riding, but it's a turbulent ride right now. So I hope you're, hope you're you, ready. You might be well. walking right now. Like this is, you <laughs> might've taken, you'll feel more comfortable. Take, you'll be more comfortable taking the bus right now at this point than riding. So it's, well, there's a lot to see still. It's week one. Try not to overreact, but I, I agree with you as a good for Seattle fans. And you know, we'll, we'll see what they have moving forward, but, this takes us now into our Thursday night. Well, hold, on, okay, hold on. I have, I have to ask yeah, you a question. You got one more. Okay. All right. I got to, I got to ask this question. Can we finally not blame the offensive coordinator for throwing the ball on, on the goal line for the Seattle Seahawks? Can we finally say that it's Russell Wilson? That is the cursed being on the goal line in Seattle. Like, I don't, Oh, I never faulted them for throwing it. I complained about the pat what the pattern they called you threw a slant to your fourth oh, yeah, receiver. Yeah, no. Well, that's just it. Like he chose to throw it to that to that receiver. Like he had well, other options that were actually uh, fair, but it was literally we, just him. Can we, a slant. Can we finally put this on Russell Wilson though? Because like, how many attempts do you need from the goal line to not fumble, somehow throw a pick, or turn the ball over? Like, how many more attempts do you need to score any points? Because I don't know if I can give Russell any more attempts at this point in time. He had three attempts at the at that at the goal line, two fumbles. And a turnover on downs. I'm not going to hold him at fault for the fumbles because what he can't really do anything about somebody else fumbling. I'm questioning why you called those particular run plays. If you want to run the ball, stick him under center and let them do it that way. If you're running a read option RPO, you're stupid. If you want to just roll but Russell you, Wilson out, that makes sense. But he has the option to change plays. He has the option to change. And the he should have. And that's attack. part he of why he's addressed to the That's why he's still like... called for the Super Bowl one too. And the fact that they called a slant against man coverage again with their fourth receiver, not the six foot five Chris Williams guy who we never heard from again, who had a hundred yards in that game. So I digress though. But no, yes, fair, I agree. Russell but Wilson yeah. on the one yard line is cursed. It's not I, even I when think, it's not his time fault. to it's just his existence is unfortunately cursed right there. He, whether he does time, anything or not. Time to stop giving him a break on this one. Like you have to like, it's it's time to go back in, into the retro cards and be like, okay, Russ, you're at fault for this as well. Like we can't just let this one be on, on the play call. Hall of Fame quarterback, but it's gotten a lot of breaks, it feels like, as well, too, in certain areas as well, too. And if you Hall say anything negative, still in the Hall of Fame, though. Hall of Fame resume. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Led the league in touchdown passes. Is done. I'm Hall just saying he's, he was much better as a game manager game manager than this, quote-unquote, superstar quarterback mm-hmm. he's trying to make himself out to be. 
He was a superstar when he, he when he was at his best is when he didn't have to throw it bombs away every single time. When that was when it was just a nice luxury because he had such a pretty deep ball, but when it wasn't the entire part of the offense. But we'll see. De- there's still plenty of time left. I mean, we saw 16 weeks ago. Maybe Denver flips it around and they still end up winning 10 games, 10, 11 games. We'll have to wait and see. It it's gonna be tough in that division. But Four speaking years. of that division, we got our Thursday night game coming up here as well too: the Chargers and the Chiefs. If you if you do know are familiar, we do like to have a nice little pick in between our dogs that you could catch on our social medias. But right now we're gonna make our quick predictions well too. Kelsey, I'll let you go first. Who do you got in this game and give me a rough idea for a final score? You know, it preseason I picked the Chargers to win this game. Um and it was gonna be a close game, it was gonna be a shootout. But man, after watching the Chiefs in week one, it's hard to say I I I I'm I'm not gonna change my mind. Uh, but I'm not. I'm gonna stick with the Chargers mm-hmm. in this one. I'm gonna say the Chargers are gonna win this game. I do think it's going to be a shootout. Um, I, I mean, I'm looking at something some crazy like 38-35 type of a shootout. Uh, Chargers pulling this one off. Um, we've seen the kickers already come into play. Harrison Bucker is not going to be kicking for the Chiefs. It might even be Justin Reed again going forward because of that injury to Harrison Bucker's uh, plant leg. So that's a big issue um, for extra points, for you know, to do, for any sort of field goals, for kickoffs, all of that as well. So. Uh, I do think the Chargers have an advantage, have a leg up, if you will, in that in that facet of the game. So give me the Chargers. I'm going to go 38-35 in this one. Okay, I like it. I'm concerned with Keenan Allen being out, J.C. Jackson being doubtful. I think the Chargers, because of the injury bug, they're going to take they're take a little bit longer to get rolling like we both anticipate them to do. So I think this is a game that's primed for the Chiefs to take it. So I'm going to go with the Chiefs. I'm going to go with 27-21. I think it's a little bit lower scoring. I think the Chargers – Try to play a little bit of keep away. I think they do run the ball pretty well. That we saw three tight ends score for the for the Chargers last yeah. week. Not none of those all star receivers are running back. So I think we see a little more conservative and a fullback. Touche. Exactly. Yeah. So everybody but the guys we drafted in fantasy, basically. So I see them being a very conservative offense. But give me the Chiefs 27-21. Mahomes continues to have an explosive start, and they somehow deal with that pass rush of Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa. So. It should be – I look forward to this game. They started off with a bang. Good for you, Amazon, with this first Thursday night game. So that will do it now for the main event. That is going to take us into Kelsey's favorite part of every show. That is Crunch Time, brought to you by Run Your Pool. If you click the link in our bio, you'll be able to jump in some pools. Some of them have already started. Some of them are already kind of well underway, but it's not too late to create one of <laughs> your own. Almost finished. <laughs> a few of them are almost finished as well, too. Some of these week one upsets threw a lot of people for tailspin. So, Kelsey, Crunch Time, tell me what you got. Ah, we're going in an MLB playoff race. I, it's that time of the year. I mentioned it in the leadoff. You're looking at some really competitive matchups. As you mentioned, the only team as of right now of recording that has clinched a playoff berth is the LA Dodgers at 98 and 43. They are the only team. They have clinched the NL West. Um, and that's it. But beyond that, you have the Mets and the St. Louis Cardinals, both in the, in the pole position for the East and the Central divisions, respectively. Sitting in the NL wildcard spots, you have Atlanta, Philadelphia, and San Diego. But San Diego is tie, or is a game and a half ahead ahead of Milwaukee. And, well, a whole lot of games ahead of San Francisco. So that's not even really much of a worry right now. But, man, this AL is insane right now. The AL, you have Houston in the West leading the West right now. Uh, Yankees right now in in pole position for the e, uh, for the Eastern Division, and then Cleveland in charge of the Central. And really, outside of Houston, it's up for grabs for everybody else. Toronto, with a good series this weekend and a good series to kick off next week, could easily supplant the Yankees as the number one team in the East. And then you have Tampa Bay playing Toronto, who's also a wild card team, 
And then Seattle as a third wild card team, all right now 80 and 62, or in Tampa's case, 79 and 62. Um, you have Baltimore there with a chance, an outside chance to get in. The White Sox and Cleveland face off in a head to head this weekend, and that could determine whether the White Sox take the division. They're currently three games behind of the, the, the Guardians. And then right behind them is Minnesota sitting there four and a half games back. And depending on how they do against Kansas City and then to close out the, se- the season against Cleveland, they could get into the Central Division. So very fun to watch right now. You have a whole lot of who's, who could be, who couldn't be, depending on how these series shake out. If somebody makes a run, um, you could have a completely different division winner. And so it's going to be fun. Um, so, yeah. So, DJ, that leads me to who do you think makes it? Who do you think kind of falls out of this one? Do you think there's going to be a surprise that falls out? Or do you, do you think there's going to be a team that sticks in it? It's tough too because when you kind of look at the AL, it's so close. But if so many of those teams feel like they're going to get in, the big question feels like it is going to be the Guardians White Sox. How does that play out? Because if the White Sox run this next series, oh boy, oh boy, the palms get real sweaty. The Guardians win this series, they pretty much clinch. So I think the AL is very interesting there. If I had to pick a team that doesn't hold on or a team that falls out, that's tough. I think I'd go with the Rays though because the Rays are kind of on a bit of a losing streak here. I think they've lost, was it? three of the last four, four of the last five, something like that. They've, they've fallen down a little bit spot, and the Blue Jays have made up some ground, and they'll still probably make it, but if I had to guess, they could they could drop down even behind the Mariners and maybe somebody else making a catch-up spot for them as well, too. So if I had to pick from the AL, that's where I'm looking. For the NL, yeah, that's even tougher, honestly. I don't really think there's a lot of change in the NL. I think San Diego's the most likely one because it's not too far ahead, but they have so much star power, even with Tatis being out. There's too much star power. I think they find a way to get in because, you know, with that kind of firepower they have, you just have to get in. And I think they know mm-hmm. that. So this is where it, quote unquote, ramps up into playoff mode for them. And I think they they find a way to get in. So from the NL, I don't think anything changes the AL. I think the Rays are the team that might slip out if I had to pick one. I'm actually going to I'm going to say that it's I, I'm agree with you on the NL. I don't think there's going to be anybody that really slips out. I think the only one that does have a chance to slip out might be St. Louis um, in that central because they are head to head against Milwaukee this weekend. Um, and if Milwaukee is able to, to you know, take this take this four game series and then take a um, maybe two games out for the next series, and, and St. Louis happens to drop two, they're right there. Uh, it's a whole lot of ifs. Mm-hmm. But in the AL, I'm looking at Cleveland right now, and I am not comfortable if I'm the Guardians if I'm a Guardians mm-hmm. fan because you, like I said, you go head to head against the White Sox this weekend, and then next week to end the season, you end against Minnesota. Uh, it's and and both teams. Six games back is Minnesota. Three games back is the, are the White Sox. So it's is a not comfortable lead in the Central for the for the Guardians. They they're on a, a six game win streak. They played well up to this point, but it is going to be a terrifying close of the season for them. They as I'm wearing the hat, they definitely got to win. They at least got to they got to be close in that White Sox series. That they just can't let it get closer. I agree. They they can't let it get close, but. That, that will do it for us today. We appreciate you all joining us. It has been a wonderful time of the year as the NFL season is back. College football is in full force. We will see you all next week. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 